Okay, so I made that screeching noise on purpose. I just wanted to make sure everybody was awake to hear what I was uh, going to teach today. So, um, I want to talk a little bit about Easter, because we're still in that time, <clears throat> whether you know that or not. This is called Easter time, and it's a, a 50-day part of our calendar, um, runs from, um, from Easter until June the 5th. Uh, at which time uh, that day is called Pentecost. And in the early church during this period, um, there was, it was a time for new Christians to kind of begin to form their faith and, uh, in a process called catechesis, which is another word for saying, you know, beginning to understand and, and see the way of Jesus. Now, in the modern church, it's a little different. We just rejoice in the risen Christ. But the question is, what does that mean? Like, what is the risen Christ? Is there more to that phrase than just what you might be thinking? So, we are the risen Christ. This church, the body, the big church, capital C... We are the church, and we are the body of the risen Christ. And it's important for us to understand that. Because if we truly are the risen Christ, then there's, there's certain things that are inherent in who we are in our natural state. And that's really what I'm going to talk to you about today. So if you'll give me a second, I'm going to pull up my phone the reading today is going to be Matthew 22, 34, and 40. And so Matthew 22, the chapter, you have the Sadducees and you also have the Pharisees that are really trying to trick Jesus with some of the questions that they're asking them. In this particular passage that we're, I'm reading for you today, is not in, in, if, you're, if you look at your Bible and you have a study Bible, there might be a label across the top there that says the greatest commandment. So here the, the Pharisees are kind of frustrated that Jesus had basically, basically dispatched these Sadducees. So Matthew 22, 34 through 40. When the Pharisees heard that, they had, that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? He said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and the first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. That's a lot to take in. But I kind of focus on the last part there. In, this, in these commandments are all the laws and prophets. So any of the laws that the Pharisees and Sadducees prided themselves in enforcing 
he kind of dispatched that too. That probably didn't set too well with them. So in this passage, when Jesus says that we need to love God and love others, what does that actually mean? Like, what does love look like, feel like, taste like? What is it? Because I think at times we get confused about what love is. So here's, here's the first question I'm going to see if I can answer or at least leave you thinking about. What or who are we asked to love? It's pretty direct. Love God, love others. That seems very simple. Seems very simple. The question like I asked earlier is, what is love? What, what is that? So if you look in the dictionary, you'll notice that love is both a noun and a verb. And most of us practice the noun part, which doesn't really require a lot of action because we don't want to go there. I'm one of them. So as a noun, it's a feeling. It's a feeling of deep affection. So in this case, it would be a, dealing, a feeling of deep affection for God or a feeling of dip, dis, uh, deep affection for others. And that sounds wonderful. If everybody would just do that, maybe the world would be good. But if you look at it as a verb, it means to delight in others or in God. And it actually requires action requires you to do something versus just having this other action or this other idea in your mind that really doesn't require much of you. Because if you love someone, but there's no evidence of that in your actions, in your words, in your deeds, then do you truly love them or are you just saying the words? So where are we supposed to love? This is just another question. Where? It's everywhere. It's not just in your home, with your spouse, with your children, with your partner. It's not that. It's more than that. Everywhere. It's at work. It's with the people you disagree with vehemently. It's with the people you don't love that you still need to love. When do we love? Maybe we just love when we feel like it. But I don't think so. I think love is one of those things you either do it or you don't do it. So when do we love? We love all the time. Not just when it's convenient for us because we happen to feel good that day. And how do we love? How do we love? It says it right there in the passage. Put your whole heart in your whole mind, in your whole soul. That's a lot. Could you imagine loving like that, with that kind of intensity? The big question, which I left for last, is why do we love? What's so important about it? Do we do it because we're commanded? Because it's right there. Matthew 22, love God, love your neighbor. So we do it because we have to because Jesus commanded us to do it. For me, I would say 
that's really a bad reason. Do we do it because it's just the right thing to do? Love other people? I would say probably the answer to that is no. Do we do it out of duty? You know, I'm a Christian. Love is my thing. So what are the things I'm going to do? Once again, I just think it's coming from a wrong place in you or in me. Is it a moral obligation? Is it a moral obligation? So I'm going to get you to switch a little bit here and try to look at it this way. Is it true that we are in God and that God is in us? If you think the answer to that question is yes, then we can go a little further. If you believe you're in God and God is in you, is Jesus in God and is God in Jesus? If you believe that to be yes, then we can take the next step. Next step. Who said that? All right. Are we, not just us here today, are we the church? Aren't we the body of Christ? Didn't we just discuss that earlier? If you believe that we are the risen body of Christ, and if you say yes to that, then you can take the next step. And if all of those things are true, we're in God, God's in us, God's in Jesus, we're the body of the church, Jesus' whole ministry was about love. His whole ministry was about love. Doesn't that make our natural state the way we're supposed to be? Isn't that our natural state is love? And if your natural state is love, that really puts you in a little bit of a position. So as I started out, so what's love got to do with any of this? Can we be a Christian and just love just a few people here and there? What's the big deal? Why do we make such a, why do we make love this thing that turns us maybe into somebody we don't want to be? I would tell you this, back to my original thesis here. We are in God, God is in us. God is in Jesus, we're the risen we are the body of the risen Christ. Therefore, our natural state is love. Without love, we have nothing. We don't have God. We don't have Jesus. We don't have the body of the church. We don't have each other. But with love, we have everything we need or want. So here's the question for you today, and I'm going to leave it with this because I'm not here to answer the question myself. I struggle with it. 
in your faith what does God and love have to do with it? Thank you, guys.